Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. It's going to come up on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. And uh, let's have a look at this. Mark chapter 8 and verse 1. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called His disciples to Him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own house, they'll faint on the way for some of them have come from afar. Then His disciples answered Him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? He asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. How many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. These disciples are in this um, moment with Jesus where there is an opportunity for a miracle to take place. If you know the story, you know what ends up happening, right? We know, for sake of time, we didn't read it all, but Jesus takes the little that the disciples brought. As insignificant as it was, Jesus took it and, and multiplied it. He did something supernatural with it and He fed the crowd. And I wanna just share with you um, a thought today because... I want you to see in this story, um, this position that these disciples are actually in. That these disciples, uh, there's, this, there's this opportunity for God to do a miracle and, and, and Jesus invites the disciples to be a part of it. And so He, he begins to sort of, um, in a sense, He's asking them, hey guys, what are we gonna do here? Not because Jesus needs their help, but He desires it. And so He asks them this question and I want you to see these, I want you for a minute to go with me to to the disciples and and the predicament that they're in because they get asked this question, what are we gonna do? And, And we see based on their response that all they can see is their surroundings. When they get asked, what, what are you going to do? And, and the disciples say, well, I mean, there's so many people. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. This is the Bible according to Ben. Just roll with me. He, the disciples said, I mean, Jesus, like, come on, bro. There's people everywhere. The, the need is too great. What, what, we, 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 can't, we can't fix this problem. We can't, we can't get out of this. Because there's a need that is so great. There's a need that's beyond our natural capabilities. And not only is there a need to feed a, a, a crowd of people, we don't have enough supply. We don't, not only that, we're, we're in the wilderness. They said to Jesus, they said, where are we, where is, where, where are we going to find bread out in the wilderness? Uber Eats doesn't deliver this far, Jesus. They won't, they don't postmate this far out. We can't, well, what are we gonna do? They, they, they systematically talk through every possible limitation. 
And I, and I want you to see this as a picture. It's almost like they, they turn over here thinking, well, this is stopping us. And 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 I want you to see this, this sort of moment where the disciples are like, we're stuck. We're, we're, we're out of options. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like you're going through so much all at once? One, one hit you could maybe handle, but it's the multiple hits that seem to come from different directions. And you sort of feel like there's nowhere to turn. You sort of feel like we're surrounded. This word came to me when I was studying it. You sort of feel like you're a little bit trapped. And, and this, is, this is where the disciples are because Jesus is going to them saying, hey guys, what are we gonna do? Jesus has a totally different perspective to this situation. See, the disciples see obstacle, but Jesus sees opportunity. And they go, He goes to the disciples, but the disciples, they're, they're, they're trapped. And why this is important and why I wanna use this story to highlight this to help you is because I think right now, this, this feeling, I think right here, this, this idea that they were trapped is actually what the enemy wants for your life. The enemy wants to trap you. A, a trap is a device that is designed to catch and contain something. This is what the enemy wants to do. I know we don't like to preach too much about the enemy because we feel like it's doom and gloom. But we need to understand the Bible says not to be ignorant to the enemy's devices. And I'm not here to elevate the enemy because we know that he's already defeated. But we need to recognise who he is and what's going on in our life because some of you have this feeling of trap and it's because that's what the enemy's trying to do for your life. That's what the enemy's trying to do in your life. He's trying to stop you, try to catch you and contain you and hold you back from the purpose that God has for you. In fact, in Psalms verse 57, and verse six, David said this. He said, my enemies have set a trap for me. I am weary from distress. He says that they've set a trap for me. I'm, I'm weary from distress. They have dug a deep pit in my path. But look at this, this is where it gets better. Aren't you glad my sermon doesn't end here? He said, the enemy set a trap for me. I'm weary from distress. They've dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. They themselves have fallen into it. David is saying the very thing that the enemy has tried to use to trap me, the enemy has actually trapped himself. This is what I wanna share for you tonight for us as a church and I'm gonna pray for us tonight and you're gonna walk out of here free. But I want you to get this in your spirit because it's as simple as this. How do you defeat the enemy in your life when he's trying to trap you, trying to hold you back, trying to limit your purpose and limit your destiny? You have to know what it is to turn, turn the trap. The very thing that the enemy is trying to use to hold you back and keep you bound, how do you overcome it? 
you simply turn it. Understand this, that the Bible says that the enemy is the father of lies. The enemy only knows how to speak lies. So how do you turn the trap on the enemy? Is you take the lie that he's speaking over your life and you turn it into a truth and speak it back over the enemy that tried to declare it over you. That's worth giving God praise for. It's as simple, listen, it is as simple as that. And this is why I love this story. This is why I love, because it's, it's this, this, this story is, it's, it's a different miracle because it's not, as, um, it's not as elaborate as other miracles, is it really? I'm not trying to put Jesus' miracles on different levels, but, but you know, it's, I mean, you have Jesus raising people from the dead, healing the sick, making the lame walk. But then here we have Jesus just, He's feeding a couple hungry people, you know. I mean, in my mind, I'm sort of thinking like, they would have been all right, you know. Why not just leave? It gives us a glimpse into the heart of God for people. It says that He had compassion on them. See, we have to understand that the enemy is gonna come at you and the way in which the enemy will come at you and try to trap you is he will often come, more often than not, with a lie. He'll come with a lie. And it'll be a subtle, it'll be so subtle. It'll be so subtle. It'll be, see, it's almost like this scenario, just to try and cause the disciples to think, you know what, this, this thing's just too hard. You cannot do this. And he'll come with this little like, how did the enemy approach Eve in the garden? Remember Eve, the snake in the garden? The Bible says that the snake, it doesn't say that the snake was more powerful than any other animal. It doesn't say that the snake was stronger. It said that the snake was more subtle. And the snake came to Eve with what? With a question. Did God really say? Did God really say that you can't eat? from any tree in the garden. See, I'm exposing tonight a strategy of the enemy and where the enemy gets access into your life. It's often with a question because he's, what he's trying to do is he is trying to invoke a conversation. It's, it's the lure of a lie to lure you in. How do you get something in a trap? You've got to lure it in. And too many Christians get lured in by the enemy's lie, the subtle, the little subtle questions. Is this, is this marriage really going to work? Is this marriage going to work? Are you, do you really know what you're doing in business? Do you? Is, is God really with you? If, if God is with you, then how come this has happened before? Where was God when that happened? Maybe, maybe this, isn't, this is how the enemy speaks to me. It's, it's the subtle little questions. It's the subtle schemes of the enemy. And the problem is, is the moment I listen to the lie and agree with the lie, I've just empowered the liar. See, Eve's biggest mistake was not eating the fruit. It was talking to the snake. And if Eve had never entered into the discussion with the snake, she would never even been lured into the trap of eating the fruit. 
But what we're going to do tonight is we're going to systematically identify some lies that the enemy's been speaking over your life to try and trap you. And we're going to replace those lies with a truth found in God's Word. And we're going to speak the truth of God's Word over your life. And we're going to cancel that assignment of the enemy that he's tried to use to hold you back for too long so that you can walk out of here free. How many of you believe that? Give God praise if you believe that. Listen, all we have to do, you've just got to turn the trap. So these disciples, they come, then Jesus comes and, and, and He starts to talk to these disciples and He says to the disciples, well, what are we gonna do, guys? We've got, we've got a problem here. And the disciples, the first thing they said, look what they said. Look at this lie that they agreed with. They said to Jesus, they said, how can one, one person fix this? What's the one person they're referring to? They're referring to Jesus. I want, you, I want you to see the first lie that the enemy will try to cause you to believe is simply this, that God cannot. God can't do it. Or maybe it'll sound like this. Maybe it's not God can't do it. Maybe it's God won't do it. That's what I found more often than not many Christians that struggle with it, it's not the idea that God can't do it, it's, it's the idea that God won't do it. One of the things I like about this story, as I said earlier, is, is the fact that it's not necessarily the most elaborate miracle that we read about in Scripture. It's not a huge, let's be real here, it's not a huge deal, is it? These people were hungry, okay? They probably would have been okay, they would have made it work. But what this does is it gives us a glimpse into God's heart for people to still work in your life, even with the little things. We talk so much in church about God's gonna come and you're gonna get a big breakthrough. You need a radical healing. You're up against it and God's gonna turn it around and He will and He does and He can. But you need to take faith this, this evening in also knowing that God wants to do a work in your life even with the little things. That God wants to work a miracle. That God, listen to me, God cares about your meeting tomorrow. He cares about your meeting. He cares about the stuff that's going on with your kids at school. We forget that and we use prayer and we use faith and we use praise as like this emergency lever that I'm gonna pull when things get radically wrong. The problem is when we do that and when it comes to those times, we don't know how to pray because we've only, we've only resorted to prayer when it comes to the big glorious miracle that we need. You can practise your prayer life with the little things. God, be with me tomorrow. Cover me tomorrow. Help me as I go into this meeting. Guide my steps, order my steps so it'll build faith in your life because faith with the little will be faithful with much. It's, it's replacing the lie that the enemy will speak over your life and tell you either God can't or God won't. And you have to replace that lie with God can and God will. 
that God is faithful, that God is able, that I trust Him. I don't just trust His plan. I trust His purpose in my life. I trust His timing in my life and not entertain the lie that the enemy will try to use to trap you and hold you back from your purpose. God can and God will. Say it out of your mouth tonight. Say God can and God will. Say it again, because it feels good. Say, God can and God will. Say it like you feel like there's faith starting to build even as you're speaking it over your life. Say, God can and God will. Do you wanna do it one more time just to remind the devil that you know what you're speaking out over your life? Say, God can and God will. Let's just do it one more time because I just like sticking it to him. Say, God can and God will. Now give Him praise like He just did it. Listen. I want you to see something. This is, this makes a difference, doesn't it? See, see, listen to me. I want you to listen to me. What you just feel right now, that little bit of, that little bit of faith in your heart as you started to say it. See, you don't realise how powerful your words are. Some of you, something, something just, just little, little, little tweak just happened in your spirit, didn't it? You come in carrying some situations and that situation might still be happening in your life, but you just release some faith in your spirit by declaring over your life that God can and God will. That's how powerful the truth of God's Word is. When you replace the lie with the truth, what happens is the Bible says that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Where the enemy's been trying to keep you bound with a lie, you're starting to set yourself free with the truth of God's Word because God can and God will. It feels good, doesn't it? I feel good tonight. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. How can one person do this, they said. And then they just, then they, he says, we've got, we've got people, There's people everywhere. Jesus, come on, bro. I mean, there's, there's thousands of jokers. Listen, it says 4,000. But back then they didn't count women and children. So you can double that, maybe triple that. The disciple Jesus says to the disciples, hey, what are we gonna do? And they're like, bro, what, what are you kidding? Was this a joke? Look at us. This is, and, and then they, they, they see the limitation. They see the vastness. They see how above and beyond them it is to affect any change. Do you ever, do you ever go through challenges where you, you almost don't know where to start. It would be easier to, to, to battle it if, if you had a starting point, you know. If, but sometimes we go through, through challenges where it's, it's, it's almost, it's overwhelming. It's, it's so big. He says, they, they said to him, we're gonna, how are we gonna feed these people? Feed them with bread out here in the wilderness? The odds are against us, Jesus. The odds are against us. The, the, the second lie that the enemy will try to speak over your life is that it won't. 
It won't ever change. It won't ever, you won't ever, ever break through. You won't ever get your healing. You won't ever get your freedom. The odds are stacked too high against you. It's it's the lie from the enemy. Some of you have agreed with this lie because you've never known freedom ever. That you've always been up against the same thing, that you even watched past generations, that your parents were up against the same thing. It's the only thing you've ever known and you've given in to the lie that it won't. That it won't turn around. That it won't change. But I wanna grab that lie tonight over your life. And I wanna pull that lie down. The Bible says in Romans 12 and verse two, that we are transformed. Listen to this word. I am transformed. I am completely changed by the renewing of my mind. The word renew, it means to renovate. It's a renovation, which means I am pulling down what is old and I'm putting up something new in its place. We need to understand that's what we're doing tonight. And I'm gonna pull down the lie over your life that it will not change and declare that it will change because God can and God will. I have to right now, listen, I want you to get this in your spirit. This is how powerful the Word of God is. It's the lie that it won't change. The disciples had seen, this this was one of the things that was so baffling to me that the disciples had seen Jesus do this before. Two chapters earlier, they had seen the same thing happen. Two chapters earlier, you remember the the five loaves and the two fish, the feeding of 5,000. They had seen God do it. But what they had done in, in two chapters, they had forgotten because when Jesus came to them and said, what are we gonna do guys? How are we gonna turn this around? They're dumbfounded. And, and it, it grabbed me, I couldn't understand. But I thought to myself, how easy can it be to sometimes forget how faithful God has been? The Bible actually tells us that we need to forget not all His benefits. Psalm 77 and verse 11, He says, I will remember I will remember the works of the Lord, David said. They had forgotten. Don't forget how good God has been in your life. Don't forget how faithful God has been. Yes, there's some things you're still believing for, but if you'll take a moment and just remember and recall what God has done, it'll give you faith to believe that if God did it before, then God can do it again. That it will turn around. It will change. The situation may be hopeless, but you have hope through Jesus Christ that it will change. And lastly, I wanna give you this last thing in case can come. This is, this is what's interesting about this story, and this, this is powerful, I want you to get this. And then we're gonna pray. Is that Jesus... Jesus is talking to the disciples and, and he begins to, he's, 
He's telling them of, of the situation. Now think about this. Jesus goes up to the disciples and he says, look at this crowd. He says, the, these, the crowd, I've got compassion on them. They're hungry. And then he begins to talk about the challenge. He says to them, they're hungry. If I send them away, they, they're not gonna make it. These, these guys haven't eaten for three days. And it's interesting because we need to remember that, that Jesus is not talking to them because He needs their help. It looks like that on the surface, but we forget sometimes that this is God in flesh. He's, he's, not, he's not talking to the disciples like, like he, because He needs their help. He, he's talking to the disciples because He wants them to actually be a part of the miracle that He's about to do. Uh, my son is, is uh, he turns three in like a couple of weeks. And uh, I was picking up my son the other day and, and I did this. Uh, I often do this with him, but I picked up my son the other day and, uh, and I pick him up. And so we're walking out of, he'd finished he'd finish school and we're walking out towards the car and I'm, and I'm holding Luca. And, uh, and I say to Luca, I'll often do this when, you know, when, we, when I go to pick him up. And I'll look at him and I'll say, Luca, I'll say, Luca, where's daddy's car? I'll say, where's dad's car? And he has this new thing that he does now. I don't know where he gets it from, um, but he'll go like this. He goes, um, uh, like he furrows his brow, like he's really thinking. He has no idea what's going on. I'll be like, Luca, where's daddy's car? And he goes, um, like so dramatic, you know, um. And then he'll see the car and he'll go, he'll go like this. He'll go, there it is, there it is. There it is, there it is, there it is. And so we start walking towards the car and the closer I get to the car, the, the, I just continue to repeat the same question. I'm like, Luca, where's Daddy's car? Where? And he goes, there it is, there it is, there it is, right there, it's right there. He says it like that, he says, it's right there, it's right there. And he gets all excited, he gets all excited. I don't need Luca to tell me where the car is. It's not... A, I'm not doing it because, because I need His help. God does not just want to do things for you. He wants to do things with you. That, that exercise, what, what I'm doing with Luca is, it's, it, it's, I'm not doing it because I need Luca to show me where the car is. I'm involving Luca in the process. It's a relational thing. But, but we, get, we get so transactional with God. And, and we have this, this idea that, that God, I want you to do this and I want you to do that and I want you to do that. And God says, yeah, yeah, I can do all that. But I, wanna, I want you to be a part of it. And this is what was happening with the disciples. He goes up to the disciples, Jesus does. And, and He's saying, essentially He's saying, where's Dad's car? That's essentially what He's saying. He doesn't, it's not because He needs their help. He invites them to be a part of it. And I love that He says to the disciples, what have you got? As if to say, Let's do this. Let's do this together. 
What do you got? He, he doesn't need seven loaves. Dude's about to feed like eight, 16,000 people. It's not like he needs seven loaves to get it started. He didn't need it. He doesn't, listen, He does not need us. He desires us. But too many of us, we miss out on being a part of the miracle because we give in to this third lie that I don't. I don't have what it takes. I don't have the enough gifting. I don't have enough, I don't have enough faith. I don't have a strong enough prayer life. It's it's and this is where we are. We sideline ourselves giving in to the lie that I'm not enough. I've only got I've only got seven loaves. I don't have I don't have enough. To, 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 to see this miracle come about in my life. I, I don't have it, Lord, I don't. But we forget that His power is not made perfect in your strength. His power is made perfect in your weakness. He doesn't need seven loaves. He needs the faith that it takes to bring seven loaves and put seven loaves in the hands of God and say, God, would you use this? I wanna be a part of this miracle. So, so we replace the lie that I may in the natural, in the natural, you're right, devil, in the natural, I may not have what it takes. In the natural, I may not, I may not be enough. But my Bible tells me that I can do all things. And I'm so glad that the verse doesn't end there. I can do all things through Christ. So devil, you know what? I'll give you this one. You're right. I am not enough, but I serve a God and I'm surrendered to a God who is enough. So through me, I cannot, but through Jesus Christ, I can. So I pull down that lie and I replace the lie with the truth that I am able through Christ Jesus and I will see a breakthrough in my life. Listen, I wanna give you this last little thing and then we're gonna pray. Because sometimes when we, when we, when we give in to that lie, we... we we start feeling, we allow the lie, we empower the lie and we start feeling like I'm not enough. I'm not, I, I don't feel like I'm enough. I don't feel like I've got the strength. God said, Ephesians 6 and verse 10, 10, Paul says it, Paul wrote it. Final, finally, brethren, be strong, say be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong. And I've read that verse so many times. Be strong in the Lord 
and in the power of His might. And I, and I read a verse like that and I, I sort of use it almost like to, to motivate myself, you know? Like um, be strong, you know, like, like a pep talk. That's how I've, done, I've used that verse before. Like almost like Paul is saying, come on, bro, get up. You know, like encourage yourself sort of thing. And, and, and I'm, I'm a little bit wired like that, you know. I'm, um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell myself, come on, suck it up. You know, it's like you ever have a football coach say that to you? Guys, or maybe girls too, I don't know. But, you know, pick yourself up. That's, that's how I've seen that verse. I've looked at it like that before. But I want you to see, it's, it's, that's really not what, what He's saying here. Because the problem with that mindset is I'm taking it upon myself like I need to I need to motivate myself and strengthen myself. You know, it's be strong. Come on, Ben, get up. Come on, Ben, be strong. The problem is, is that's hard to do when you're feeling weak. But this is what you have to understand why this verse is so powerful for our life and so applicable. We, you and I, we use words to communicate. But God doesn't use words to communicate. God uses words to create. So when this verse, when He is speaking through Paul who wrote this, He's not communicating something. He's not communicating to you. This is not God communicating to you that He wants you to be strong. This is God creating His strength in you through the words of Scripture. That strength is not, strength from God is not something that I do. Strength from God is something that I receive. So when God, because that's how God, how did God create the world? He spoke it into existence. So when He says to us, be strong, He's creating a strength in you. That's how you can say, He that is in me is greater than He that is in the world. Because when God speaks it, it, cre- it is created within you. So you can come to God with nothing feeling completely beaten, feeling completely weak and receive His strength declared over your life that you can be strong in the Lord and in the power of His mind. It's replacing, it's just turning the trap. There's a trap that the enemy's trying to speak over your life to keep you bound. And He's trying to tell you that you don't. You don't have enough. You don't have what it takes. And I wanna replace that lie over you today. And I wanna cancel that assignment over your mind and over your thinking where you have partnered with the enemy and with the lie of the enemy over your life that you cannot. And I wanna declare over you that you can do all things, all things, not just some things, 
not just those easy things that you feel like you're naturally gifted enough. All things through Christ who gives you strength. Do you receive that over your mind? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.